What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Hoops Podcast. I'm joined here today by some passionate, passionate Rockets fans for the official Rockets Breakdown episode. This is Will and Brad. Please introduce yourselves to the people. Oh, it's uh, it was great. It's the first time I've ever been introduced as Will first. It's always the Brad and Will, so I, I appreciate that, Gifted. Uh, but yeah, it's just Brad and Will. You know, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we run a podcast on YouTube and all the other streaming platforms called The Brad and Will Show. Uh, we just had Alperin Shingun on, I think, about two weeks ago. So if you're interested in anything Rockets content-wise or, you know, just want to hear our takes about the NBA world, that's where, we, that's where you're going to find us. Yeah, Will described it perfectly. Again, The Brad and Will Show, we're trying to run it up this offseason, trying to get some more interviews. So definitely stay tuned there. Um, as for my personal uh, y'all can find me at Brad NBA on Instagram, Twitter. You know, I got Rocket stats, highlights, news, updates, uh, all that good stuff. If you care about the Rockets, that's where you can find them. All right. Well, big shout out to those people. Um, I want to officially get right into the episode, but make sure to tap in to those guys again. They have a great podcast. I've been hearing a bunch of their episodes and their consistency. So tap in with the homies. But let's officially get into the podcast here. What I want to ask you guys is coming into 2023 what were your expectations for the rockets coming in what were the biggest things you guys wanted to see for the 2023 season i'll begin this with will first you can go ahead okay um 2023 so that was coming into to last season um obviously i wanted to see them take a like a, a step forward in the wind department i didn't think they were ever i didn't i didn't think they were gonna be a playing team this year i didn't think they were gonna be uh like I, they kind of finished um as far as like placement goes kind of where i thought they were gonna finish anyway so um for me it was just about seeing obviously i wanted to see more wins in the win column than there was last year i think if we had somehow won the same or fewer games than we did the previous season i think that would have been a little bit concerning um so just to see some 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 development and growth in that win uh department that was obviously a, a huge thing for me but uh, when you have a young team like the rockets did last year and i guess even going into next season um the important thing for us was just to to see the the guys in the team continue to grow and continue to gel and just get better you know every single day every single game um and so yeah those are those are kind of just my expectations on it i didn't expect too much from it Am I supposed to talk about just my expectations or did we, you know, did we reach those expectations? Because I think those are, those are two different things. Um, we'll get to that conversation right after <laughs> this one. I just want to get your guys full base expectations before any ball was played. So yeah, it was just like I said, just to, to continue to to get better from game one to game 82. Do they look better? Do or is the team gelling better? Um, you know, are they picking up on, on, on winning and good habits that they can translate to? the next season and then the seasons after that when we're trying to actually start winning basketball games so it was it was it was a development and a growth year there, there wasn't too many like expectations in terms of you know winning this amount of games or making the play and making the playoffs like it was just can you guys get better from game one to game 82 at least for me for me i would definitely say you know from that first year with Jalen green to this past season you know they got rid of christian wood there was hierarchy questions with christian wood there him being gone uh, yeah, Albert Shankin will be in that starting center. I wanted to see more of a direction. I was like, okay, Jalen Green is now in order to take a huge leap. So I'm excited for that. He's obviously number one in the pecking order. How are they going to be able to make sure he succeeds to the best of his abilities? And how are they going to force speed Shankin and make sure he's doing, you know, what he's supposed to be doing down in the, in, in the in the post? But I mean, overall, 
when, when I look at the season, I, I really just wanted to see development because that wasn't a team constructed to win games. They had 10 players, 22 or younger on that roster. So off top, you know they're not going to make the playoffs. You just want to see them make um, those developmental strides that put them in the right place in the future. And I want to see good habits, um, as Will said, on a game-to-game -game basis. I wanted to see improvement. I wanted to see structure. And ultimately, my main thing, Will and I talked about this on our podcast before last season, I wanted to see an identity. What is this team's identity? What are they going to do? And are they going to stick with that? And is it going to be consistent? And we'll dive into how that identity looks later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um i gotta say for me as a non-rockets fan for me um i viewed it as another year for a young team to develop get better play more minutes and set a a like blueprint for okay this is how we want to play these are going to be our foundational pieces like to to set a culture because for younger teams the hardest thing to do in the nba is to win at a high level so having a blueprint and a system in place to help you do that for multiple seasons after the fact is the number one thing um for me selfishly when i watched the summer league and i saw jalen green and operating shangun on the court together and i first saw shangun i'm like shangun is going to be outstanding the off-ball play from Jalen Green. I saw a lot of like great things for hope. And then the season started. So now, Will, this is the part where we can get into how you felt for the upcoming season, like like uh, everything that happened in 2023. What were your brightest spots and your darkest spots, in your opinion? Uh, I'll start with the brightest. Um, I think that Jalen Green, um, he showed you some flashes uh, like to his game that we didn't necessarily see uh, with him coming into the draft. And these are kind of things we didn't think he was either going to be, you know, ever good at or as good as he is, like, as he is right now. Like, he's a little bit ahead of schedule in these departments. Um, I thought that Jalen, um, he's still not the world's best playmaker, but I thought that he made a lot of really good reads and a lot of great passes for his role. Um, that, like, he made some passes and some decisions with the ball that I didn't, think that Jalen Green would be capable of making it th this soon or like, like I said ever in his career so to see him be able to make those decisions you know with the ball in his hands that was that was really important for me um and then he was really really good against the free throw line like I think that was the biggest shock for me was was how well he was against the free throw line and drawing fouls um it's, it's kind of funny he's not the same you know uh foul merchants like James Harden but it's like we're transitioning from James Harden gets the line all the time to Jalen Green gets the line all the time so uh, those two things for Jalen, that was like a really good development for me. Um, I thought that uh, Alperen Shingun made the most of uh, a pretty, I guess you could say, interesting situation for him um, because he wasn't necessarily supposed to be the the primary focus of our team. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he came off the bench to start uh, last season. So there was a, um, there was like some questions about his role uh, and, you know, his place on this team in terms of like, is he going to be you know, a role player? Is he a focal point? Is he just another guy out there? Like, you know, where does he fit into this equation? And I think, like I said, he started the season off as more of like the, like I said, the bench piece, the the role player. And, you know, by the, the new year, he was, uh, in my opinion, I think he was the best player on our team last year. Um, and so to see him uh, be able to, to kind of, I wouldn't say break out, because I still think there's a whole other level he can kind of tap into. And he's, he's still young and we didn't necessarily win any games last year. But to see him kind of, elevate his game from where he was his rookie season to now where it's like okay like this guy is you know for sure a, a piece that 
you know, no matter where you kind of lie on the Shingun spectrum, like this is a guy you at least you owe it to yourself to to see what he can do. Um, when you put him around, you know, Coach Udoka and uh, a more um, experienced and like ready to win roster than one he had last year, because he made, like I said, he made the best of a bad situation. So like, I'm assuming that if you put him in a situation that's like not as bad, maybe he'll look Thanks. even better than he did, um, you know, last year. So I think that was a really good development. Um, Man, is is that where I must call it? I don't, I don't even no. know if I'm like. Is, am I gonna call? Jabari, Jabari. I mean, Jabari has some. I mean, he'll tell you he didn't have the rookie season that he wanted, but but I also don't hold that like against him. Like I'm not saying right. it, it's it's part. I mean, he he was one of the youngest players in the NBA last year, um, and I mean that kind of segues into like the negatives. Like I mean, he had a coach who didn't who openly admitted he was not running plays for him like that was yeah that was, was that was crazy dude. that was tough that's yeah. crazy that like you're admitting that you're not running plays for the number three pick in the draft um and so i, I thought that like one of the 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 negatives or you know where we kind of failed last year was i do think that um and i don't want to kick a man while he's down um but i thought steven silas found a, a pretty unique way to misuse just about everybody on our team right like i, I thought that shingun was not used the way he was supposed to be i thought that Jalen was like, like just just off of those two guys alone like We've seen enough flashes for those two guys that like their two man game, whether it's coming off of DHOs or you know Jalen cutting to the basket or the, it was literally in summer league. You literally saw it in yeah. summer league. Yeah, they were pretty good. Like as Jalen with the, as the the pick and roll ball handler, shingle with the screener, the roller to the basket. Like there was there was all types of actions that you can run just off of those two guys, and we just never did it. You know, like those are things that we just did not do, um, which is crazy that if you, if, you, if you think like just saying it out is crazy. Um, and like with Jabari, he, you know, he was kind of stuck in the corner for all the season. Um, and while I do believe that like his role will be more oriented towards, you know, catching and shooting threes, he showed us that like, Hey, like I'm pretty good. If you put me in the post and let me kind of go to work down there. And I, I just felt like for a season that you have nothing to lose by experimenting. Like, I feel like we should have tried to, you know, okay, well he, he's, he's struggling a little bit, you know, spotting up shooting threes. Maybe we can unlock a different part of his game. If we put him, you know, in those situations and those are things we just, we didn't try to do um kpj i love kpj that's probably my favorite player on the roster uh last season i thought that i i don't have an issue with him necessarily starting but he should not have been the primary ball handler right like that's a that's a a role that um like we, we tried to use him like he was james harden and i think kpj is an extremely talented player but like he's not james harden he's not trey young he's not luca and that's not a knock against kpj that's just that's just not who he is you know um and so trying to like pigeonhole him into that role when like, hey, you gotta like, go. But I I think it's, it's so crazy. Cause I think Shingun like makes everything um, so much easier. You have a guy like that who that's kind of what he specializes in is, is running an offense and being that offensive hub. And you have a guy like KPJ who's who's a you know as Brad would say he's what a ninety percentile shooter or something like that. Like he's really good at, at shooting and, and catching up, spotting up. And then the guy has like some secondary creations because where he can tack some closeouts and get to the basket. I, I think he's like. He's not. He's obviously not a, a a a good enough playmaker to be the primary ball handler, but it's like your secondary. I thought he made it like he made good enough reads to do that role. So just using him more like that, I, I thought that that was um, we misutilized KPJ last year. So like it was just a bunch of misutilization. Um, uh, the, the, the other key word was accountability. We didn't we did not demand accountability on either either side of the ball. Right, guys were out there just kind of going through the motions, um, not getting back on defense, not you know pouting putting their head down when the ball didn't go their way or you know when they missed a shot it was it was just so much stuff like that it's like 
And that's not how you play basketball. You, if you don't get back on defense, you go sit on the bench, you know? And so they were just out. They were allowed to, to all season just go out there and do whatever they wanted to do with pretty much no consequences whatsoever. Um, I, I think that that kind of led to them developing some bad habits that I think you dog was going to have to to next season kind of help them break. So, um, yeah, that's just kind of my, my broad over. I, I don't want to say last season was a failure, but I wouldn't say it was a success either. Yeah, again, I started off, you know, the first time I talked today, I was talking about identity and I wanted their identity to be a Shangun led offense because the offense was way better last season or his rookie season when they were running through him and they just traded Christian Wood. So I was like, oh, yeah, they're going to run through Alfred Shangun. Let's get to see what they're talking about. The silence is like, ah, man, we're going to start Bruno Fernando. Like, let's see what this is talking about. It was, listen, I'm sorry, but like, as an outside watcher, Seeing him not play Shangun, sorry Shangun, in, in the second halves of games, and his excuse being, "Well, he this wasn't the right matchup," and it's like, what do you have to lose by developing and finding out your system and your blueprint? I'm 100% with you on that, Brad. Yeah, and it's also like when it comes to Alper and Shangun, they wanted to stick him in drop coverage. That's another thing with Steven Silas. He had his his uh, methodologies, and he's going to stick with that. He wanted to run a Luca. James Harden led offense. That's why he was hired to coach James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And he was like, okay, now we got KPJ. We're going to turn KPJ into that. And he was going to stick with that. And same thing with defense. They're going to run job coverage on defense. And that's not Alper Shangun's defensive style. Uh, we'll talk about it later, but that's why I like Udoka. Um, he's not going to coach a specific way. He's going to cater to his players. But yeah, so Shangun was always on the, the, the bad side of, of running job coverage because he wasn't very good at it. And again, they were they didn't really want to run through him and start the season. So that was my first thing. They're not running through Shane Goom. Okay, that's a negative. And then there's a whole bunch of things. Josh Christopher, in my opinion, he didn't show me a lot. Um, I was worried about him. I was excited for him to take a leap. We all said Josh Christopher was probably going to have the best leap in year two. And he depressed. He, he, he didn't look as good. He was a, a no three, no D kind of player. So that, that sucks. But as a whole, we'll, we'll put, it, put it perfectly. Effort, identity. Those things were just lacking. Players lollygagging back. Um, it was just a whole bunch of inconsistencies. And that's not what you want to see from a young team. Obviously, a young team is going to be hard to stay consistent. But it, it was awful. And I, I really do believe Steven Salas. Um, great guy. I think he could be a really good assistant coach. But he was not running that Rockets team correctly. Um, again, you can't be too stubborn. You have to change ways. And he was extremely stubborn. But on a positive note, I will say, we did understand even when Shane Goon was the forefront of the offense. We saw it when KPJ got hurt in January. Shane Goon had an insane um, stretch. It was a nine-game stretch. I want to say he averaged 19, um, 12, and 7. He was really state. good, man. Yeah. Yeah, 65 true shooting percentage. And then, like, from there, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, we can run through him. We can run through him. There was a game where he put up, like, 30, 33, and, like, 16 and 6 against the Lakers. Like, it was all right, yeah, this brother is like that. So, I got that validation. Okay, we can run through Alfred Shane Green. Shane, the Shane, the Shane Green hub is real. Jalen Green will put on the money. We saw improvements um, in the playmaking department. Not you know all the way there, but he he did improve as a playmaker. If you're watching those games, just reads from a game to game basis. I did see improve. I also saw improvements again, as Will mentioned, getting to the free throw line. He got there way more this past season. Got to the I think he had 14 games with 10 free throws. Um, so that's an improvement. So I was, I was happy to see that with Jalen and with more spacing. We'll talk about it later, but I think he'll be able to take a leap this upcoming season. Um, I'll say this about Jabari um, coming in. He had a jumper. He was less than 31% on the year. And that's what his that's what his specialty was. So you're going to be like, okay, what's up with that? I mean, he's supposed to be knocking down shots. 
But for me, I'm high on his ceiling now because I saw an ability to create for himself towards the end of the season. And that was an improvement I did not expect from a 19-year-old Jabari Smith Jr. So I'm excited to see him grow on that. And we saw what happened in summer league. So if he's getting to the line like that, able to create, um, then I'm excited for his upcoming season. And then I wanted to touch on two more players. I thought Tari Eason, a concern for him coming in was the jump shot. Was it going to be? I thought his shot was bad. It wasn't knockdown, but I liked it. It was, it was serviceable. He's going to be able to knock those down. He's going to be able to improve on that. But that motor, that energy, that level of intensity he brings on both levels of the court, uh, both sides of the court, is perfect. Um, he, he's uh, he's always going to uh, make his impact on the game. They don't need to run plays for him. He's going to find the ball. He's going to he's gonna put it in the bucket. That's, that's a guy that you want on every single team in the NBA. Um, I see you over there, a uh, room for, for Tari. <laughs> what do you have to say about Tari? You like him? Man, listen, man. Tari was one of my favorite players to watch. Like, the effort that he would play, they wouldn't run no plays for him. He would out-hustle everybody, defense, steals, blocks, three like he he just found ways to impact the game at every level no matter what he shot and like the attitude he brought on a night in basis to where it's like i'm locked in every single time i'm playing no matter what the coach does if he pulls me or whatever i'm gonna play hard like you don't see that as much in many first year players at times and he just fought that way for the entire season and like he was the instant spark plug every time he came into the game you could feel his impact in, in multiple games and me as a warriors fan seeing how my bench was for the majority of, of the offseason just seeing a guy like that come in and instantly just bring the energy up there like i really respect this game and i think he's a great example of what like a utility role player who can do more can be if given the proper opportunity for sure so i'm a huge tari eason guy for sure yeah, yeah. So Tari, I'm excited for his next year. And last year, I was going to say KPJ had his best season last year, so that's good to see. I think they need to be running more catch and shoot through him. Only 1.9 attempts last year, and that's a disappointment to me because the year before, he was in the 100 percentile and kept the shoot three-point shooting at 48.2%. And this past year, he didn't really increase his volume, which doesn't make any sense to me. So, yeah, I think he improved. He's obviously not a primary ball handler. He needs to be a secondary, if anything, and a you know, just thrive off ball. That's that's what he is. But he's he's obviously very talented, and that's what I got from him last season. Obviously, the whole team had issues again. Lollygagging, I think Kevin did that as well. But it needs to be a team improvement. So as a whole, again, my expectations were not met. The identity, what I wanted to see, it was, there was no identity whatsoever. It was an AU basketball team, which everybody else saw, and obviously that's not good. But there was like. There was, I'll say this and we, we can move on. There's a play, I think it was, was it when he played Miami? It was a game that I was at, though I know that much. I, I cannot, I'll, just, I'll try to find it when I, when I get done. But there's a play where, um, and I think I think it like perfectly encapsulates what watching the Houston Rockets under the Steven Silas regime for the last three seasons was like. It starts with like, Jay, I think Jay's like in the left corner. He dribbles, 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 gets nowhere. Passes to KPJ. KPJ dribble, dribble, dribbles, gets nowhere. Passes to Eric Gordon. He dribbles, dribbles, gets nowhere. Force up a bad shot. And like that's we're going back on defense. And like that's that's what it was. And like I'm not saying that I think it's 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 easy to say. Well, Jalen Green, KPJ, and Eric Gordon just suck. But like I don't think that's what it is. I think that they're just being used like incorrectly. Like I I think that that's just not that's it doesn't matter who you have that's not good offense right where it's just one guy go down the court dribble 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 try to make it make a bucket and if he doesn't have it just pat like that's that's that i don't even, i don't care if you got james harden that's not good offense so 
um like we that's what it was like that's what that's what it was like watching the the houston rockets these last two three years and so obviously man i'm excited to like just be done with with that nonsense and uh coming to this yudoka regime agree yeah so i think for me y'all uh coming in watching how the season went for me i agree with a lot of points i think will made the most important point the accountability was extremely lacking for this rockets team on a night in and night out basis in my opinion like the structure of what you wanted to build felt unclear players were not being used properly and i'm sorry respect to silas but the fact that a head coach is saying on a rebuilding team this matchup just wasn't his matchup tonight like like your goal should not be to develop and give these young players confidence because pulling a younger player every time they make a mistake can alter their confidence and that can you know change how good they can be you have to instill confidence in these players and say hey we might we might get blitzed but i trust you to play you're going to go out there it might not look pretty but we're going to figure this out together as a team they didn't have that and a lot of times it felt as if silas wasn't confident in everything he wanted to do and it felt like sometimes the team wasn't really receptive to what he was saying as you got deeper and deeper into the season as well so to me like bringing in Udoka, who led that boston celtics team which yes they struggled terribly in the first half but the way that they closed out that season Udoka stuck with it he commanded the respect of that entire locker room and they went to the nba finals for the rockets your goal now that you have drafted another phenomenal playmaker in thompson right a uh, year two Shingun who can do a lot more like he was one of my favorite players and again I'm trying to tell y'all when I lay my eyes on Operation Shingun right the very first thing I said was he's a Turkish MVP no one's talking about that and to me like I respect basketball at all levels so seeing that he was coming in that young as the Turkish MVP I thought okay he could be good and then he got drafted to the Rockets and I saw him play in summer league and I remember seeing most of the plays where oh he can pass really good he can like explosively get to his spots at times and he can run a two-man game with Jalen Green who I didn't know Jalen Green could like have an off-ball game but in that summer league game like I'm, I'm watching Jalen Green is just fitting in perfectly ah ah right so then I come into the season like okay this Rockets team can be very fun and then Silas doesn't use any of these players the right way to maximize what they bring to the game so to me Yudoka coming in is going to establish a regime to where people have to earn what they get, which I like a lot, but also he's going to instill a structure to the team, right? Like every night, our identity has to be tied towards doing our jobs on the defensive end, keeping the offense simple, understanding we're trying to get to A so we can go to B. So for me, I'm very excited to watch Houston Rockets ball and Jabari Smith, with his improvements that he made, maybe he's not just a spot-up three-point shooter. Maybe sometimes you can give him the ball, allow him to operate, and make sure that he's the captain of the defense. Because something I loved a lot about Jabari Smith was the way that he was so focused and such a dog on the defensive end. Like, to me, all of these wings and these athletes that the Rockets have, you want to convert your defense into your offense and outrun teams, out, you know, space teams, and make sure that Shingun with the ball in his hands can play, make, and get everybody involved. So to me, the idea is there. 
And I believe Yudoka can be the proper architect to actually make that happen. So for me personally, I'm excited to watch Houston Rockets basketball in, in 2024. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, but um, I'll take us over to the next thing here. So what I want to ask you guys is in terms of the current build as it is now, right? How do you believe Amin Thompson blends with Alperin Shingun on the basketball floor? What type of actions or like activity do you want your offense to do when it comes down to those two players? We go first. You got it, Brad. I'll say this: Alperin Shingun and Amin Thompson. Obviously, you think of those two players, and you're like, okay, those are two guys who don't really shoot the basketball. So there's a concern there. Obviously, basketball now, modern NBA. You need at least four guys that can space the floor. So you're going to have two guys out there who don't really shoot. So it's like, okay, what are they going to do? But those two are probably coming in, you know, two of their best three playmakers on the team, you know, along with Fred Fleet being that other guy. So when I see Alperin Shangun and Amin Thompson on the court together, I want them to be able to, one, you know, Will and I talked about this a lot um, previously. Alperin Shangun is going to have to develop that three-pointer eventually. And I want to say this year is going to be the year that they're going to have him on an increased volume. As Shane said, at the beginning of the offseason, he wants to take more threes. So I don't want them to play any differently when they have both of those guys out there. I want them to, to run it through Alperin Shangun, and it's only going to look better when you have an excellent playmaker like Amin, you know, right next to him. Um, I'm excited to see what they do with those two on the court. They can get extremely creative having two playmakers like that. Get out in transition for sure will be my main thing. You have an extremely fast team, extremely young. They didn't tap into that transition offense last season. They were towards the bottom of the league in pace, I want to say. Last in pace, I think, for, the, for a young team. It doesn't make any sense to me. When you have a guy like Amin, get the ball up the floor extremely fast. Shangu can push the pace up extremely fast as well. Two guys like that. I want them to run, 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 um, and, just, and just take advantage of those things. And then the half-court offense, again, that's up to Emei Doka. Um, to, to find out the best ways to utilize those two players. But I don't want them to be stuck in a, oh, we have two guys who can't shoot. Let's try to operate around that. No, I want to make sure there's space in the floor. Amen, right now, I mean, the jumper is not going to be there. But Shangun at least showed flashes last year, 36% on cancel shoot threes. So I want them to try to at least space the floor with those two out there a little bit and see what you can do. Um, but just, again, it's going to be excellent ball in the big play. So I'm excited to see how creative we go from here. I'm of the opinion that. Um, Cause like yeah, like on paper, um, I think if you were to just dumb it down completely, like uh, Shingun didn't really shoot the ball three ball well last year. Although I think that's more a product of him speaking about him being misused. He was like discouraged from shooting the ball uh, last year, which is kind of crazy because um, I don't think he shot. I, I want to say he shot like was it high twenty, high twenties, low thirty, something like that. It, it wasn't nothing great, obviously, but but it was how much? Thirty three percent. Oh, how much on what volume? It's like two a game. Thirty <laughs> percent, yeah. Volume was I mean, low. You should have forty five percent or forty one percent in twenty twenty three. I gotta look that up now. I got you, man. Yeah, because obviously, yeah, it was thirty three percent. Um, on if you round up to it, wait, no, no, it was I, it was on one attempt. So it wasn't even one attempt. So yeah, what I was gonna say is like part of the problem with Shingun is like. I think I'm not saying he's a great shooter, but I think he's like okay, especially for like considering the fact that he's a five. Like you're not, you're not expecting too much for them to be like knockdown shooters, anyways. But like for a five, I thought he was pretty solid at it when he would catch the ball and just shoot it. His problem was, and you could tell it's because someone was telling him, "Hey, don't shoot this ball." 
but like he would catch it and be wide open and then he'll do like ah should i shoot ah i shouldn't shouldn't pass it and a lot like, of times just, a lot of times yeah, yeah just so fast just catch it and shoot because every because all the times where he would catch it and shoot it it looked it the form looked good and it was you know he was making a, a decent amount of them it was it was it was good, but like I said, you you can see like his volume literally went down. It went from one point six his rookie season to point eight. It like literally got cut in half, um, which is like I said, crazy because I, I think that he was a good shooter. But my, my philosophy is, I think high IQ guys make it work. Even even if you know on paper the games may not necessarily you know complement each other the most, especially because there's not like it's not like they play the same position, you know. So it's not like we're gonna have that issue where it's like they're right. both I don't know centers and it's like okay, how you make that work? Like it's a point guard and a five. And both of them have like really, really high IQ. Both of them, um, you know, are, are are willing and capable passers. And like, Amin Thompson is really good at running the pick and roll, and Shingle is really good at setting screens and being the the rolling big or like you know making those short roll passes. Uh, being, I think they're both guys who can be connected pieces. And so um, I think it's it's just really cool to have that dynamic that like. You have a really high IQ guy at your one position who can who can and will make any pass in the book, and you got a five, uh, you know, at, on your team who can who can do the same thing who can and will make any pass in the book as well. So, um, and like I said, I think that their bread and butter is going to be the pick and roll. I think that's where they're going to be really really uh, lethal because, like I said, I, I think that one Shingun um, is I think in my opinion one of the most if not the most underrated screen setter in the league. Like I think he set some really really tough like firm screens. And that's the kind of guy that you need next to a guy like Ahmed Thompson, who, you know, his his main attack is going to be attacking the basket, getting downhill. So I just envision like uh, Shingo setting some really hard screens for Ahmed, Ahmed attacking that downhill, putting some more pressure on the rim. Um, if you commit to Ahmed, that's a dish to Shingo. Now Shingo has either the shot himself or, you know, maybe there's a shooter open or there's somebody cutting that he can hit. Like, you know, Shingo can make a decision from there or you can, you can commit to Shingo and now you're, you're going to get postered by Ahmed. Like, I, I, I think that that dynamic right there. I think that's that's me their bread and butter next season. Yeah, um for me, I asked you guys that question because I think a lot of people from a surface level just to see two guys who don't really shoot the ball, how does that work? But if you're involving both of them in the pick and roll and they have a spread floor, two guys can play make at a high level, throw passes, they're intelligent basketball players, and we all know how athletic Amin Thompson is, and Shingun is a sneaky athletic, like, he has some of the weirdest poster dunks that you just don't expect to be a poster dunk, and then he actually, you know, dunks the ball, so to me, that fit makes sense. My question for the season for the Rockets is, to me, Yudoka is going to have his hands full from the perspective that you just added Van Fleet and, and Brooks on this team and the blend between trying to develop players and playing veteran players and making sure that each player gets like the proper amount of tick. That's going to be the question because Yudoka has always been a veteran, you know, player type of guy. And like you really have to earn his trust. I'm hoping that doesn't ruin the development of the other players, because again, like the blueprint is there. I think Shingun should be the main offensive piece. And you plug in Amin Thompson and Green around that because, again, he can pass and those guys can get downhill and convert. But the problem with that is Shingun's defense, which needs to improve. Yudoka is a defensive guy first, which makes me question, OK, is he looking at Shingun to be a huge piece or not because of the defense? I don't know.
one thing I want to add to to that too. Um, I, I know, like I said, people on paper. I know the some people who who didn't want Amin Thompson last season or this summer was because like, okay, how does he fit with Shingo right? The two guys who can't shoot. Yeah. But one thing I think people people weren't like realizing too about Amin Thompson is like Shingo. I'm not gonna try to like sugarcoat and say he was he was good defensively. He had his moments where he looked okay, and he had moments where he looked really bad. Like th- those are those are two true statements as far as Shingo's defense last year. But to be fair to him, um, when he said he's grew this offseason, so I think that's gonna make a broader of a difference. Um, he was used incorrectly defensively last year, so there's also that. Um, so and, and then three, like, and I think this is the most important point I was gonna make is. He was playing with, like I said, I'm not trying to act like he was good defensively, but he was playing with a bunch of guys who were either poor defenders or did not care about defense, right? Like the like, and like That's I, said, a I fact. love, yeah, I love, I love Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, especially KBJ. Like I think KBJ can be a solid defender. The problem was those two guys just did not care. And I mean, to be fair to them, why would you? When your coach is letting you go out there and do whatever you want, like why would I care about defense? I'm gonna play. 30 minutes a night if i play defense if i don't i'm gonna play regardless so but those guys did not care defensively at all last year right um eric gordon was a starting small forward for 40 games a season something like that some uh in that ballpark i have never seen an nba player in my life like give less of a crap about a team (laughs) than than eric gordon did eric gordon did not want to be here from game one so like he was not out there trying at all um and you have guys like um lord have mercy dacia nicks um Garrison Matthews, like other guys out there who were getting, you know, heavy rotation minutes for us last year, who just are either just downright bad defenders, or like I said, we're not even like the only guys so I could say even cons- from game one to game 82 tried all year was Jabari and Tart. I think those only two guys I can say with complete confidence it tried from, from start to finish. Everybody else, it was fluctuating. This year, it's obviously we're probably going to talk about Dylan Brooks and Fred and Lee being brought in, but one of the additions, uh, good things about Amon Thompson. Amon Thompson's like on his scouting report. That's one of the things he's good at. He's he's a good defender. He plays he's, defense. He's be, yes, sir. He play. He takes pride on that side of the ball. And so obviously, like you know, you you don't want to have two nine spaces on the floor. That's a separate conversation. But in terms of the type of like roster that would, I think, maximize Shingun and maybe him being you know not the world's not best defender, um, having a point guard who can go out there and clamp up not just ones twos but also threes and maybe even some some fours right like he's six seven he, he can guard a lot of different positions and a lot of different you know guys out there in the NBA. i think just having somebody out there is going to by proxy help shingun because now to have him rotate over and have as much to you know protect the rim at the last second because you know Ahmed thompson is, is containing that um and so like i i think that's one of the underrated aspects of how Ahmed thompson is going to do a lot of uh, favors for shingun next year I'm excited for those two. Like I said, we'll put it perfectly in that sense. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, it, it wasn't just the players. Again, the coaches, there was no accountability, as we mentioned. And now you got this new coaching staff. Everyone's going to be dead serious about defense, defense, defense. Again, Bilker brought the Celtics from the 13th, best defense to the best defense in the NBA. So just having that mentality and having guys around him that are going to be feeding off of that mentality is only going to help a guy like Alfred Shangri. Um, in my opinion, and everybody that's going to be in the rotation, I think anybody out there could be a plus defender, um, with the exception with Alperen Shangun. I don't think he'll ever be a great defender. But anybody else out there, I think Jalen Green, I just think he just lacks um, weight. Um, I think he's, he's gaining muscle. He's up to 195. Uh, everybody else, KPJ, 6'6", 6'9", wingspan, I think he can be a serviceable, really good defender. Uh, anybody else on there, Ross, you can go up top to bottom for the nine people they're supposed to have out there. They're going to be good defenders. So I think Shangun is going to be He's going to be straight, especially with a guy like Alvin Thompson, as Will said, 
who I think is going to be probably switching one through five. That's how um, they like to play that guy. So he the the play he got hurt in summer league was because he switched and and blocked the five. That's how he got hurt. He went up and and, and blocked the five. Right, came out on his ankle. So like like I said, I'm not going to sit here and act like he's going to be out there like stopping. Uh, for Lord knows not Joel Embiid or but like it probably struggle against like I like Steven Adams too, right? Like I'm not going to act like he's going to uh, be out there yeah. just clapping up every position. But I think that he will be able to like in, in like let, let's say all else fails, you 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 get switched. I think Amon Thompson like not obviously not his rookies, but like as he develops, I think he'll be able to to hold his own, you know, as good as anyone can at that point in time um, defensively against big. So. Uh, yeah, I guess that's a that's a that's a great addition to your team. Yeah, um, for me, I would agree with this standpoint. I guess my only thing is like I'm hoping Udoka isn't so focused on the defense that he thinks to not play Shingun. But you made some valuable points because again, the way Shingun's being used as a defender matters. Having more defensive pieces around you who can actually play defense. Van Fleet was a pretty good uh, passing lanes, uh, on-ball PG guy who could guard. That works pretty well. Brooks plays a lot of hard defense. Jabari Smith, multiple moments last year, he was the captain of your defense and showed the effort. So to me, like making those pieces fit is obviously his job, but I do think he has the personnel to be able to maximize the best look of what the Rockets can be. And I love what you said because Amon Thompson to me is a sign of where the future of the NBA is, right? Like, like the league is going towards versatility at every spot. That means like your point guard, your five, whoever has the capability to be switched onto bigger or smaller players, play defense, shoot, pass, play, make, defend, like, being able to do everything at every position matters. So again, having a six, seven guard who teams can't hunt at all on the defensive end, it bends the entire court. I think that um, one of the, the issues I had with the draft discourse this year, because I'm a Thompson, um, that was the guy we were mocked to get from the one we got picked for. And I mean, I can speak for me and Brad, like we were kind of all in on that from the jump, right? Like we, I was from day one, I was like, yeah, like, I'm obviously you'd rather have Wimby, rather have Scoot, but try out on those two guys. Amon Thompson is a really good like backup to your plan, right? Like I, I'm, I am all in on Amon Thompson, and I got a lot of pushback. And one of the reasons was because you know he has the the struggling jump shot, which is a valid criticism of his game. I think what that did was people spent so much time talking about that one thing that he's not good at. He, they don't talk about all the other stuff he can do. He right. does everything else really well. Like he, everything exactly. else in the game of basketball, he's already like solid to pretty good at art. He's already a good for, for his like expectation. I don't think he's about there clamping in year one, but like for, for what he's for a rookie, he's already a really good defender. He can rebound the ball. He can obviously, we all talk about his IQ and what he brings to the table as a, as a point guard, as a playmaker. So he's, he's, um he, he can make every pass in the book. Um, the guy is also just like high IQ in general. Like he just makes winning plays. I don't know too many point guards who are out there setting screens. I don't know, you know, what I'm I don't know too many point guards who are exactly. jumping for loose balls. You know what I'm saying? Like he he does, he just makes winning basketball plays. And so when you look at like the game of basketball, what outside of not being the world's best shooter, what does Amon Thompson project to not be good at? Because I, I think that's it. And like for me, I'll teach a man how to shoot. Like if 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 that's the only flaw in you. I'll lock you in the gym. I will keep you in there night in, night out until you can make a certain amount of jumpers and you can leave. Like, I, I will teach you how to shoot. I cannot teach you how to 
to to read the court the way he does. I cannot teach you to be six seven and be one of the best athletes in the NBA from day one. I I can't teach you how to be able to switch, you know, actually one through three, maybe even some fours, some fives, right? Like I that stuff can't be taught no matter how hard you try. So um, if that's the only flaw in your game is I have to just teach you how to shoot, like, bro, I'll go hire a shooting coach, which we did this offseason, and I'm going to lock you in the gym with him, and you're not leaving until you can shoot. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm all in on him, and I think he's going to be fine. And that's I one thing. Oh, you go ahead, you go ahead, break. Yeah, I, I, I thought Will made a good point. He said, you know, you got to lock him in the gym. And that's one thing about Alman Thompson. You don't even need to lock him in the gym because he'll yeah, lock he does it already. I was going to say that, too. Right, like, he, he is so focused on basketball and want like he he generally wants to get better because at his first press conference i'm pretty sure he talked about linking up with the new rockets coach and getting in the gym and practicing like he generally wants to be great and he's already great at every other aspect uh, you know beyond the shooting chops so like having a guy like that at that size with that mindset fits into creating a structure of basketball that you guys want to play yeah. Did you want to say something, Brett? Yeah, I was just going to say, I love having a guy like that with insane work ethic. Again, he's like programmed to always say the right things and always do the right thing. That's what I've like, both of the Thompson twins, that's what it seems like. It's like, it's impossible to hate both of those guys. They just seem extremely, of course, talented and very, you know, just focused on their craft. So again, that jumper, and I thought Will was exactly right when it comes to projections. What does he project to not be good at? As of right now, it's just a jump shot. And the work ethic that he has, I'm enticed to believe he'll at least get that jump until the 34% one of these days. And I'll be cool with that because that downhill speed That's fine. Um, and all the abilities that he has is, is, is enough to be a 34% shooter. You see, Darren Fox is around that right now. And look at the season he did that. So, yeah. I'll say this one last thing and, and I'll stop talking about it because I can, I'm in times probably my favorite player on the Rockets next season. Like, <laughs> right. Okay. But 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 I'll say this one last thing. Um, so uh, I think I think you said it gifted like him, him and his brother. They you don't have to lock them in the gym. Like that's all they do. They all they do is even when they're they're not hooping. I think it was funny they talk about they're playing two K. Like all they do is basketball. Right. And, um. There's a, there's a, there's this really interesting clip. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it where uh, somebody was interviewing him before the draft. And they were asking him, could you like, who was, which player was drafted higher? It was like, who's, who's higher, Paul George or Gordon Hayward? And he knew every kid? single question. He knew all of them. All, all of them. them. You know what I'm every single one. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to call nobody else out, but like, there are plenty of guys in the NBA today who cannot do that. But like here, this guy is like, he, he got them. He was getting them all right. Like it was nothing. It was like, I love the Brandon Miller right. shots, by the way. Hey, I love hey, that. I wasn't going to say no days. I wasn't going to say no days, but. Yeah, that's definitely what I was talking. You know what I'm saying? But like, that's not normal. Normal. And then I know um, that a lot of people say, "Well, like, what about the the Russell Westbrooks and the um, I don't know the other guys, like the, the other like super duper athletic guards who never really developed a jump shot." One, like, if I'm a Thompson's Russell Westbrook, that was the right pick, obviously. So like that that that's that's one. But um, I think that the biggest difference between a Russell Westbrook and this new generation of guards like the Amon Thompsons is Russ grew up in an era that was not dominated by the three-point line. Like, not saying that it wasn't important, but there was a there was a clear shift in the importance of being able to shoot threes from like 2014, 2015 on to where we are right now. That like I said, Russ was drafting what 2000 was it eight was he was drafted? I think it was like the fourth pick in 2008, something like that. Uh, yeah, because he was after he was after KD. So. 
yeah it was like that was um no almost two decades ago now right where it was a it was a different game and and Amon thompson has grown up in the era where you have the the dames the stephs the Kyrie's, the the point guards that shoot the ball really well and he's he's watched um you know russell westbrook not in like i, said, I know because he's he's tied into every basketball game anyways he's watched russell westbrook struggle in the postseason because of his jump shot and like i know that he knows the biggest thing that's going to keep me off the court is my jump shot that's that i know he knows that so Combine the fact that he's he's well aware that that's the area he has to improve in the most. And this guy is already, like I said, one of, if not the hardest worker on our team. Like, I, I'm so confident he's going to be fine. Like, it's, it's not, I'm not concerned even remotely. Yeah, um, I want to say this thing before we transition to, to your thoughts on how you guys did in your 2023 offseason with the trades and all that stuff. Um, The thing that intrigues me the most, again, though, is size and skill as a blend at almost every position to me is where the league is going and you guys have a five who got bigger can pass still has to like turn into a neutral defender sure but outside of that he can pretty much impact the game at almost every other level you have i'm in thompson who, who we just you know talked about in terms of his defense his passing his will to like set screens and do like the small things and then you have uh, you know a, a 6 10 6 11 guy himself in jabari smith who can play defense and, and space out the floor like you have the blueprint of, of a udoka team that their identity is defense passing playmaking and running and this to me seems like the real identity you wanted this team to have last season so so now like this upcoming season could be the year you guys wanted last season but i now want to ask you guys about your ads van fleet um got paid a lot of money but a lot of people don't understand with the new CBA, you have to reach the floor before the season starts. Beforehand, you could wait until in season and then reach it. But now it's before training camp starts, you have to reach it. So they overpay some guys fine. But you're in a position where all you care about right now is currently developing, having vets on that team to help lead by example on it and off the court. And Van Fleet fills that role. Now, Dylan Brooks, I'm not going to lie to you for me. I'm not a hater. I lie. I am a hater. But for me, for Dylan Brooks, I pray, I really pray that he's willing to buy into a role and is not the offensive negative that he was. Because I think he's a very good defender. Like he he shows really good chops there, but sometimes his IQ and his shot choices in Memphis, they were okay because he played defense. I'm hoping Udoka says. We see you buying in on defense, but that does not excuse you taking the ball out of X or Y players' hands. I just want to like see how do you guys feel about those two guys and how they fit on your basketball team. Yeah, well, um, I actually think you should go first because I'm gonna probably disagree with you a little bit. So I, I think you probably should go before me. All right. Well, I'll start with the Dylan Brooks signing. When it comes to Dylan, this was a guy I did not want on the Houston Rockets to start. And then I really did a deep dive on him and I saw the impact defender that he was. Obviously, we all know he was an impact defender, but to the level that a Houston Rockets team desperately needed, I saw the vision when they were uh, initially interested in him. You have a lot of guys on this Rockets team like Jabari, Tari, who can feed off of the energy from Dylan Brooks. And the more I started to look into that, the more I started to realize that, you know, shout out to Basketball Index, really good stat engine. 
it shows that Dylan Brooks is 100 percentile in perimeter defense, 100 percentile in matchup difficulty, 100 percentile chasing people off the of screens. You know, just doing little things like that. He's going to be all up under your skin. He's going to annoy the other team's best player. And that's something that's going to be a positive, regardless of what happens on the offensive end. And you can go to the numbers. He's a positive plus minus wise on the court every single year that he's been in Memphis. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's concerning when you got guys saying, I want to be, a, I want to have a big role. I don't want to be that fourth, fifth guy. So, so get to, we'll see what happens in that regard. That, that doesn't worry me. I'm not going to lie. But again, this is a guy who wanted to potentially go to, um, to, to Dallas. They, they offered the MLE. The Rockets felt like that was their competition. They needed to just go up in value to make sure they get the guy that they want. Again, they had to reach their floor. As of right now, they, they spent enough to get $7 million over their cap. So they did what they were supposed to do, and they, they did what they had to do to get their guys. And as a whole, if you look at their cap space, they're set up to the point where when Jalen Green and Alfred Shane Guno do for extensions, they're going to be able to get those guys. They're going to have around $78 million. That's if they keep Fred Van Fleet's If they get rid of Fred Van Fleet's team option, they're going to have upwards of $110 million to spend. Oh, on, you know, and money. real quick, that's a great point you made, by the way. Van Fleet's contract to me became significantly better once I found out it was a team option in that last year. It's not a player option. It's a team option. That is good management. I just want to, you know, say that real quick. Yeah, you know, and you're 100% right, because if anybody was in those Twitter spaces that Will and I were <laughs> the day of the free agency and they found out that Fred Van Fleet was on the three year max, boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody was going through it. Meltdowns across the board. <laughs> so when we saw that team option come out again, that, that's an A plus contract in my opinion. You get a guy like Fred Van Fleet to come in, and yeah, it seems like a lot of money. It is a lot of money, a max for Fred Van Fleet. But when you really look at the the structure of the Rockets' contracts and what they're trying to do in the future, it really doesn't hurt them. It really doesn't hurt them, especially that third year if they even do want to keep Fred Van Fleet. My only issue with Fred Van Fleet on the third year was okay, what are we doing with Alvin Thompson? He can't be stuck on the bench for three years. That was my thing. Money wise, I looked at the roster. I looked at. Um, you know, top to bottom, what they could do. And again, as I mentioned, I, I like it. I like their construction. Um, Dylan Brooks, that four-year, $86 million contract can be four years, $90 million if they make the playoffs every year. So this is a lot of money for Dylan Brooks. But I'm telling you right now, I'll be the happiest man alive if Dylan Brooks messes around and gets four years, $90 million. Because that's I me. Mean, he, he came in. These guys came in. They did their jobs. They made the playoffs every year that Dylan Brooks was there. So I'm hoping that's what, what happens. Um, I'm, I'm not mad at the contracts. Again, they had to spend money. They had to reach 90%. You've been a team that won 17 games, 20 games, 22 games. You got to lure in guys some way. It's going to be the money and the coaches and the vision. And they, they got their guys. Um, so we'll see what happens. I'll, I'll grade the Dylan Brooks signing more based on his play and based on how they can execute um, or based on how they can utilize him on offense. Because I don't want to see him being the second option, the third option. I, I want him being the fourth or fifth option. So that's, I'll have to see how they do. Okay, that's fair. Uh, yeah, um, with with my uh, opinion on, it, I wasn't the biggest fan of of either signing. Um, it, there's a tweet out there that you can go you can go search that I said. I think I said it in like I think that's when I tweeted it. So like, well before the season had ended, well before free agency started, I tweeted like, if the Rockets throw bags at Fred Lee and Dylan Brooks, I'm gonna reassess my faith in the organization. And like, that's like literally what they did two months later. So. Uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of either of those players um, you know, last season. I, mean, I definitely didn't like the idea of giving them like super duper large contracts. Um, I'll start with the Fred and Vliet one. I think that, like you said, gifted, it, it goes from 
to me a terrible contract to oh it's okay it's not that bad when you when you talk about it being a team option in the third year that was the biggest thing for me was if you're gonna because i understand why why this team wanted for it like i i get it i got you you wanted to get a um experienced veteran point guard you probably got for what Udoka wants to run you probably got the best guy on the market that's gonna be able to do that thing next year so um i get it like, you, you want to make sure you got that guy by any means necessary um even that's not what I would have did if I was in charge, but like I so said, that's, that's a separate conversation. Um, and so the fact they were able to get him, and then it was like I, I like the fact that it was it's just two years of committed money, right? He can come in, be that bridge point guard for Amon Thompson, be that mentor, be that veteran leader in the locker room, and then in two years we can just cut bait with him entirely if we so choose to. Or you know who knows, maybe he's like really freaking good, and you 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 want to keep him, and you have the option to do so, right? Um, so like yeah like, i'm like not the world's biggest fan of it but like i said i get it i understand and i don't like i'm okay with it because it is just you know that two plus one like all right that, that makes sense he's, and he's gonna make us a better team next year without a doubt so that's that the dylan brooks contract is a little bit different i'm still like not a fan i feel it, you man. bro i feel I'm you not, on that. not a huge fan um it's, it's mainly because it's the it's the amount of years it's the same problem with the Fred and Lee contract before it was a two plus one if, it, if the contract was three years of friendly i was like yeah like i think that's a terrible decision that was that was bad but now that it's two plus one all right i'm cool with it but you're you've committed you've locked yourself in to four years of guaranteed money to dylan brooks who's a player that did not have the world's biggest market this offseason he, he just got kicked off of a playoff team like a, a team that, like, with like the third seed was that what they were second seed last year um got yeah seconds got booted off the second seat last year they said you cannot come back um and you know i'm not gonna say it's because he was running his mouth but like you know they were well matter of fact i'm so glad we're talking to a warriors fan right now it just hit my mind we we're so happy when dylan brooks was playing against y'all two years ago in the playoffs because you're like this guy is like costing them the series right now like he legitimately like i I'm not saying that the grizzlies would have won but I think they would have won more games. That was like was a four two series, and that what it went to. Well, I literally sat there in like game six, and I'm just seeing him just take pull up three after pull up three, unprompted, just shooting his team out the series. Like I got listen, I was terrified when he got hurt because I'm like, oh shit, they about to play, they about to play Zaire. Like, and that's why I'm like, oh, please don't play Zaire because like, that's how much of a negative he was offensively. I'm gonna give him some credit though, right? Like maybe his situation changed because again, he's playing with a new head coach. He's in a completely different environment. He's gotten paid. Maybe he buys in. Like, I'm not, I'm sorry. I want him to have success. I do. But have, like hearing him say he wants a bigger offensive role on a team that just drafted Amin Thompson, you have Shingu, you have Jalen Green. At any point, at the best, he's like a fourth option, right? Like, I just don't see that really working out, but I hope it does. Because again, like, I think the team option was a great point. But like you said, four years of his contract. Granted, it'll be tradable because every year the cap uh, uh, goes up so fine. But as a player, you just hope that he does everything you want him to do on the defensive end and makes solid enough decisions in the half court. So, yeah, I, I feel yeah, that I'm, well. I'm glad I'm talking to a Warriors fan because I was like sitting where I'm sitting right now in front of my laptop watching that series. I like get that. You know, I was 
I was ready for y'all to lose the whole time. So I know, I know. I'm, I'm pissed. I'm like, bro, if you stop shooting, y'all are gonna win this game. And like, the Warriors are one more game closer to going home. And he kept shooting. He was taking like like these off balance like first six seconds of the shot clock threes. It's, it's just like it was it was bad. And like I said, I, I remember thinking myself, I'm like, if they just bench him, they're gonna win this game. Um, and, and so, and he kind of, he didn't do it as as egregiously last year with the Lakers. But there were times where he, same thing last year where it was like. And man, if this guy kind of reined it back in, they'd have a better chance of winning tonight. Him and six nine I mean, three pointers against the Lakers, bro, in one of them games. It was it was great, and so like that's why I wasn't the biggest fan of Dylan Brooks this these last couple seasons. I'm like, man, he's costing his team games, and, and like in the biggest stage, like when it matters the most, they're he's costing by himself, costing him his team wins, and and so yeah, like I just wasn't the biggest fan of that. Um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of signing him at all. Right, I, I didn't. I wouldn't have gave him anything if it was up to me. But okay, you you think because like let's let's be let's be fair to Dylan Brooks. Like Brad said, he is one of the game's best defenders. Like that that cannot yes he is him. he is he's amazing defensively. Right, um, and if you're able to to find a way to keep what he's good at defensively and then rein him back in offensively, there's a really good player there. Like I, I will be fair to like that. That's a really good basketball player who can be that good defensively and like i said play a little bit more of a uh of a role on the offensive instead of trying to be like the guy on offense like that's a really good player and so i uh, mean if there's any coach in the nba who probably can do it it probably would be like uh udoka or like popovich or something like those are probably the guys who could possibly you know get that out of him but the problem for me is that's still a gamble right like you're there's no guarantee you know, as good as we all think Udoka is, that he's able to just completely decondition Dylan Brooks from what he is. And like I said, it's not even just decondition. Like the guy has said, even even in the midst of him being kicked off of a team, he's saying, I want a larger role. And he said that on a team that had two all-stars, right? So like if he want, if he's, and, and not even just two all-stars, I think Desmond Bain is like a borderline all-star. Like I think he's a really yeah. good basketball player. So like those are three really solid guys. And despite that, he's like, nah, man, I want more shots. Well, I just don't imagine he's going to come to the Houston Rockets with lesser talent and be like, "All right, it's time for me. To, it's, it's time for me to not start playing a role. Like I didn't play one for John Morant, but I'm gonna play one for Jalen. Like that. Um, I don't know how much I buy that, but like I said, there, there's I guess there's a there's a different like coaching difference between uh, Taylor Jenkins and uh, Udoka in terms of like it's relating to the players and getting the buy in. So Udoka thinks he can do it. That's fine. I'm okay with it, but just don't give him four years of guaranteed money. Like, if you want to do that, do the same thing with Fred, where you overpay him for like two years, give him a player option, I mean, a team option on the third year, and then like that way, if it's a little excited, I think it's an experiment. I, I, if if the experiment goes south, well, worst case scenario, you're just stuck paying him for another year, right? And that's that's an expiring salary in one season. You can maybe move that. Um, not that big of a deal, but I mean, it's four years, and like. To be fair to to the to, to Stone, right? Like that's a the, the cap jumping twenty million dollars a year is not going to be like stupid high, but I mean that's a contract that you might have to move off of one day, and um you know who knows if you'll be able to to even just get neutral value. You might have to like give up something to get rid of that kind. Who knows? So um I don't know. I think it was just like a it was a weird gamble to make um for a player that hasn't really shown any reason for us to be like bending backwards to sign him um but like i said if if udoka is this you know this guy who's able to extract what's good of bill and brooks and get rid of what's bad i mean obviously he'd be worth more than what we paid him this offseason so 
there's a there's a there's a pretty good chance it works out there's also a chance where it doesn't and i i just think that the organization should have given, given themselves more protection against the like the the reality where it doesn't work out well and we didn't really do that so that's just how i feel about it hey i appreciate y'all perspectives on the players that you signed again i'm with you on the brooks thing i'll i'll just be fair and say wait and see because we've seen it like there have been players that go from team to team that are just different players for said team so i'll give him the benefit of the doubt and wait even though like the comments and like the eye test play i'm not too high on um mm -hmm. i do want to ask um there are two things from your offseason that we have not gotten to yet and the first one is an l and i'm sorry to say this all right to every rockets fan who's watching this y'all got dealt bad i'm sorry about that the brooke lopez thing is is like it's just so tough to see that like he committed to the team and then walked away from it and y'all gave up assets for basically like nothing because you you move those assets to create room for brooke and then he doesn't sign how does that make y'all feel like i it was frustrating it was frustrating because they had this massive plan coming in and it seems like all the chips were falling in the right place they had like as you want to say maybe hand you know shaking deals beforehand so they're moving all these players getting everything in order that's why you see guys like ty ty washington uzman gruba get moved for negative value um you know for the for the purpose of brooke lopez signing with houston but then brooke lopez got his offer from houston and told uh milwaukee hey this is what houston's giving me what y'all got and then he jetted the second he did. Um, so it's frustrating that that happened. Um, th there were there were some alternatives out there that, that weren't bad. I'm okay with the Jock Landau signing. Um, four years, 32 million, only one of those years being guaranteed. But the most annoying part about that gift is they still followed through with um, the deal that they had with the Atlanta Hawks in trading by yeah. Washington and Usman Gruba for seconds. And that's just, that's, that's two first round picks in the past, you know, two years that you're just getting rid of for nothing. Um, and I just can't get with that, especially if you know the Brooke Lopez deal had fallen apart. You know, get out of that deal with the Hawks. They wanted to say, hey, you know, we want to keep our good gracious with the Atlanta Hawks. We had this deal already. We're just going to stick with it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do something else. And that's, again, that's the biggest L for the Houston Rockets. Um, could be one of the biggest L's they've had throughout this entire rebuild. Getting rid of two first round picks. the biggest. Yeah, so it's it's, it's extremely frustrating. Uh, I'm okay with the outcome of the entire offseason, but that aspect of it, it's a hard pill to swallow for sure. What do you say, Will? Uh, I was I was hated. Um, and it, what, what made this crazy too is this all happened like consecutively. It was it was back to back. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was like you you gave and at this point I didn't know that it was a team option. So I just see three years was like one thirty something like that. Wait, wait that doesn't even sound. Was it was one thirty one forty? I think it was 146, I think. What was it, man? I, I, I'm going to look it up so I can I can stay accurate. Yeah. It was... Okay, no, no, it was three years, 130. Okay, so it wasn't 140. It was three years, 130. Oh, okay. So it would eventually come across my screen. And like I said, this one time, I didn't know that it was a team option. So just about that, they signed Dylan Brooks, which I did not want to do at all. Now I'm pissed about that. And then it's like, okay, well, now you've traded way everybody like obviously like you knew as a rockets fan like we knew that kj martin's time was up we knew that ty ty washington and uzman gruba like if they were able to stay by they weren't going to play next season anyways like we we knew that a lot of these guys were going to be on different teams next year like sending with josh christopher like that was a guy who 
a lot of us kind of like as, as much as we loved and we kind of knew like yeah y'all might have played y'all's last game as a houston rocket so it wasn't the idea that we let them go that pissed me off it's that we let them go and then we didn't get anything and i didn't just let them go we paid to get rid of them and got nothing back and like the, right it's supposed to be brooke lopez but like he didn't come so now you've just paid this price to, to dump guys who you know a year or two years ago you just drafted in the first round you just paid to get rid of them and then did nothing with the cap space that you just traded by getting rid of them um and then part of probably what like because I, I don't know about y'all but i just find it really really difficult to believe that ty ty washington who was first round pick last year and you know he was a lottery guy prior to his injury like i i find it really really hard to believe his value was so bad that you have to give up assets to get rid of him but like even if you believe that right because like i said i don't know how much i believe that but even if you believe that ty ty washington's value after not even playing a full season in the nba because he didn't really play for us last year like that's all it took and now he's now you know making like was like three million dollars a year that that three million dollars a year is not considered a negative asset somehow i like, i don't get it but okay that's what y'all telling me why is he a negative asset because he wasn't when we drafted him it's it's because you didn't play him and then you played a guy like dacia nix over him and you just cut dacia nix so like what did like what did we gain from from that last season why what did we gain from from playing dacia nix over your first round pick who you who you, you cut dacia nix and then you traded uh ty ty away um along with other assets to get to get nothing in return like i don't know it's just bad management and i know people are like um well, it's not that big of a deal because all you lost are some second round picks and like yeah in the grand scheme of things like the rebuild isn't screwed because we traded away second round picks to get rid of ty ty washington right like that's not a it's, that's not going to end the franchise right? that, 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 yeah but that was never your point though your point is yeah. okay sure that's true but we also lost these assets for basically nothing and that's never nothing. good in business you never want to lose yeah. any asset for absolutely nothing right and like anybody at home who's like second round picks are worth nothing like look at what the lakers paid to get Rui Hachimura at the deadline and that was what like their that was highway robbery <laughs> yeah, yeah like that was one of their best players uh for the lakers last season like he made a huge difference um on the especially come playoff time and like those are like the moves around the margins that you can make you know three or four years on the line we're trying to win basketball games where it's like hey man It'd be really cool if we had some second round picks to throw at a guy like a Rui Hachimara who can come in and like bolster our playoff roster, right? Like those that's important. So like obviously we're not gonna like we're not screwed because we trade away second round picks, but like you just never wanna like I said it's bad business. You know what I'm saying? And, like stuff like that can one day bite you in the butt. And so it's like I don't know, like I, I was I was even above everything else, that's what pisses me the most off this offseason is that like I, I can I'm already over like the fair release stuff don't even bother me no more. Now that's a team option. And then the Dylan Brooks thing, like, I can see a silver lining in that to like it like I'm obviously not happy with it and I would undo it if I could, but it's here you can't do nothing about it. The 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 Ty Washington, Uzma Garuba, Josh Christopher, like how we the way in which we let those guys go for nothing and like we pay to get rid of them, that just does not sit well with me and I don't think it ever will. And like to add on to this, and this is a perfect segue before we end the show too. Uh, I'm surprised that we've gone an hour and seven minutes in this podcast and we have not talked about Cam Whitmore like at all. Like this guy was a guy that like Stone said that he was eyeing at four and he fell all the way to 20. I'm praying Cam Whitmore does not get buried 
in this rotation to the point where he doesn't get any minutes his rookie year. What are your thoughts on like him finding a name for himself on this team? I'll say this. When it comes to Cam, again, extremely talented. He's obviously a guy who deserves rotation minutes, but it's going to be down to him and Jay Shante. And even then, Will and I have been talking about this. You can go top to bottom on this Rockets roster. And again, you're going to have the starting five is obviously going to be Fred Van Fleet, Jalen Green. You got Jabari Smith Jr., Dylan Brooks, and Alpha Shangun. Off the bench, of course, you're going to have Alvin Thompson, KPJ, Tari Eason, and then probably Jock Landau or um, Jeff Green, whoever they want to play. So that there's an extra spot right there, the backup three position. But all the guys I just named, a bunch of those guys are going to be 20, 20 plus minutes off the bench. Um, definitely 20. You're going to get 20 plus minutes from KPJ. Definitely Tari Eason. And you want Amon Thompson if you get 20 minutes. So if you assume the starters are getting around 28, 30 minutes too, there's not really a lot of minutes for that last guy, whether it's Jay Sean Tate or Cam Whitmore. So I don't even know if he's going to play. I'm sure Will was going to touch on that. But for Cam to get in, he obviously has to beat out Jay Sean Tate. And the way he does that is, of course, extremely talented guy, but he's going to have to do little things. He's going to have to be a really good defender. He's going to have to be a good connective piece. Um, again, it's the guy who had 19 assists in 26 games at Villanova this past season. That's not going to cut it, but I did like the way he was passing the rock after the first preseason game. He didn't look as tunnel vision um, as he did against the Durham Blazers in, the, in night one of the summer league. But Cam, he's going to have to cut off ball, be a really good cutter. I think he's a great fit with Alper and Shane Goon. Uh, cut off ball, hit those catch and shoot threes, and be a menace defensively. Um, and just run out in transition. That's what that's what he specialized in. He can run in transition. Explosive dunker um, and really good at grabbing steals, as we saw. One of the leaders in the summer league at grabbing steals. So, in my opinion, if he wants to come out there and play day one, he's got to play really, really good defense, do a lot of the little things, and make himself an off-ball threat, whether that's from the three-point line or, or it's cutting to the basket. But that, that's the way he can get in from day one. Uh, um, for me, like, I, I would love for Cam to play from game one. I encourage people who are like, nah, Cam has to play. Like, go to like, I would, I, I literally loaded up 2K and did it myself, but there's like online rotation builder. Like you can, you can do it. Go make a rotation and try to find a way for Cam to get minutes because it's kind of not possible, right? You know that Jalen Green and Fred Van Vliet are probably going to be the two highest guys in minutes per game for us next season. So mm -hmm. they're not. I seriously don't see a world where they're they're playing less than 32 a night. Like I think they're gonna get 32 minimum, pro probably a little bit more than that, but like for sure 32. Um, Shingles and the guy getting probably about another 20, 30 minutes in the Jabbar, another 20, 30 there. Dylan Bricks, another 20, 30 there. Um, that's your starting five. Then off the bench, you got KPJ and Tari Eason, who were some of our best players. Like as a matter of fact, depending on who you ask, like that was probably like our second, maybe fourth best player. Last season was was KPJ and Tari Eason, so you know Tari gonna play a whole lot because he plays yeah. hellacious defense he, effort. He's, he's a Yudoka guy, so he's gonna play high minutes for sure. He's gonna play, you know what I'm saying? So like he's gonna get another 20, 25, sending another 20, 25 from KPJ. Um, Ahmed Thompson, he he he's the backup point guard, so he's gonna get another like you know twenty, maybe hopefully twenty five. But I don't I don't know if he can get that much. But he's probably gonna get another twenty minutes, and then. Um, I think the five is where it gets kind of like I think that's the way you find a way to fit uh, Cam in is if you say we're gonna not play Jock Landale at all, no, no, don't Jeff Green, no Jock Landale, and just play Jabari as the backup five, you know, like and kind of like stagger him and Shingoon. I think that way you could say okay, well, well now Cam can play. 
But I mean, I don't know about Shaw. I don't know how much I I like that. I think I don't think that's just, gonna happen. To be honest with you, I, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know how much I like that. I, I I'm okay. Like I, I actually, it's funny. I, uh, my favorite sign this offseason was Jock Landell. I thought that was a, a pretty solid pickup for for us. So, um, like I'm probably fine with him being the backup five. So when I mean, you he outplayed DeAndre in, in the playoff series, I would definitely play him. I mean, you know, that, that, that's <laughs> what I'm that. Like he was really good for the, for the Suns in the playoffs this year. So, um, it just like go do it. Go go build the rotation. Give the guys that you want to play. Because, like, I know a lot of fans are not going to be happy if Jalen's playing 25 minutes a night. Like, he's going to have to get his 30, 32, you know what I'm saying, at, at, at the lowest. So, I just don't see where those minutes come from. I I, I don't know how you squeeze Cam in. Um, but, like, that's not a, it's not a bad thing. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's, like, the, the worst thing in the world, right? Like, one, he wasn't your first pick in this year's draft. He's not, like, Amon Thompson's going to get the play. So, that's, that's a plus. Um... And then Cam Whitmore, for as much as we like him, he is like a really rough. Like, ironically enough, like people looked at Amon Thompson as a project. I think Cam is more of a project than Amon Thompson is. I think Amon Thompson is a better basketball player today than, than Cam Whitmore. Um, and so I think Cam is he's a, he's a little rough. Um, when he's good, he's really good, right? Like we we saw that in summer league when he when his shots falling and when he's you know he's into the basket, into the rim, like he's really good. But there's also times where. Um, now, these are things he, he showed at Villanova, where he's not the world's best decision maker with the ball. He has a lot of tunnel vision. Um, he can get kind of distracted at times. Like you know, he there 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 are room. There's a lot of room for improvement for Cam. Like to be fair to him, he's also sending with Jabbar. He's one of the youngest guys in the draft last year. So like, it's okay that you know he he just turned was it 19 uh, earlier this month. Like that's yeah. fine, bro. You're, you 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 can take your time to to come along. So like I'm not trying to rush him into the rotation. You know, especially considering the, the 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 goal for next season is to win. Now, I'm in a championship, obviously, like a playoff series, but they want to be in that play-in picture, right? They want to be in that discussion. And so, when you have when you have that goal at hand of trying to be competitive, and then you have another guy who there's already a lot of guys who play his position who are get a lot of minutes, and like he's as talented as you believe. I, I think I think Cam will be probably the best small forward on this team when it's all said and done. But like year one, he's he's pretty rough. You know what I'm saying? So. Maybe it doesn't make sense for him to get minutes from game one, but I mean, there's obviously going to be uh, times where somebody gets injured, and and then when that happens, it's going to open up minutes for him. I just don't like. So I just don't see from game one. I don't know how he plays. I, I it's going to be interesting to me. Okay, well, I want to close out here with this. Uh, big shout out to Will and Brad. I think this was a really dope podcast. I, I wanted to like try to dissect the roster, the offseason, everything, and I think. We were able to accomplish just the last piece i want to hear from both of you individually what are your expectations of the rocket season and try to make it as concrete as possible because i will be putting these out on twitter go ahead i'll say this the expectation is the same expectation that email doka said he's never missed the playoffs in his life he does not expect that to change that's the expectation. The playoffs are the expectation. You don't go out there and spend all this money, four years, $86 million, essentially four years, $90 million on Dylan Brooks. You don't give Forever and Fleet a three-year, $130 million max. You don't do those things if you don't expect this team to make the playoffs. You just brought in a really good coach, a really good coaching staff to go along with it, and you're expecting these young guys on the team to take a leap. So they need to make the playoffs. Jumping from 22 wins to the playoffs is going to be difficult. It's not an easy task, especially in the West. Off tops, I think they'll already be better than the Portland Trailblazers. 
and the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs. So they got two more teams to beat out. Let's see if they can do it. Um, there was a metric that Andy Bailey put out on Twitter. So the Rockets added potentially 18 wins this offseason. That puts them at 40 wins. Is that enough to get to the playoffs or, or the play-in? We'll see. But I'll be honest with you right now. If this team does not make the play-in and they still show me they can win like 40 games, 41 games, I won't be upset because, okay, they did what they were supposed to do. They did improve. They just didn't reach that threshold of playing. But I need at least like 38 wins, 40 wins. I need good basketball. I don't expect it to be perfect right out the gate because you can think back to Ime Udoka's Boston Celtics um, when he was coaching. They had an extremely slow start. And then they finished the year 28-7, and seven, I believe, if I'm right in that regard. But it's going to take some time, especially with a young team that's loose to things and having bad habits. I think it can all be fixed. It's a matter of when it's going to be fixed. But I'm expecting Fred Van to come in, be an amazing leader. I'm expecting the team to feed off of the defense um, from Dylan Brooks and the coaching staff. They're defensive-minded. I, I need everything to fall into place. My one worry, I'll say this, is rim protection. That's why they wanted to get a Brook Lopez. Spacing is going to be an issue. They can fix those two things. I think everything is going to come together perfectly. The playoffs, of course, is, is the expectation. Okay, we got Brad officially on the record. Will, what are your expectations for for the Rockets in 2024. So, um, yeah, same thing with Brad. I need a play-in push. I just need the 10th seed. Um, and I went and looked at it since the play-in was incepted. That was the 2019-2020 season. Um, and that was the COVID shortened year. So I will factor that in. They, what is this quick math? Played 63 games that season. Um, 72 that sorry, 74. Yeah, hold on. My math is off right now. Um, engineers 72 yeah there we go i was just a 10 off yeah there we go um 72 was the 10 seed i'm sorry not 72 that was how many games they played 34 games 34 wins was the 10 seed the year it was incepted uh that following season same thing it was the uh COVID shortened year so that year they played 72 again and 33 was the the win metric to get to the play in the west um last the season before last 21 22 metric was this is a full season they played 34 that was how many wins to get to the 10th seed and then last season the west was like a bloodbath um and it took 40 wins to get to the 10th seed so um it's tough like i'm not gonna act like it's gonna be easy because the west is really really stacked right now like I, if we were in the east i would have complete confidence we're gonna make the play in because we're in the west and there's i mean you can make an argument there's 10 teams that like the mavericks got better this offseason in my opinion they didn't even make the playoffs last year there's so. gonna be two good teams that just don't make it because yeah. the conference is that talented yeah for sure yeah. and then like the teams that didn't make it like they brought like the, the jazz the spurs and the blazers like they weren't even the playing tournament anyway so like there's there's no spot being created it's just going to be somebody who get out there but um i'll say this like if they're like a game off from the 10th seed i'm not gonna be like uh fault, fault the franchise because they were one game off they need to be like right there up to the finish line of being the 10th seed I, I think that if they are anywhere else other than right there like 11th seed at the lowest i think next season will be a failure but like i i, I want them to be at least the 10th seed though that that is that is my uh expectation okay well i want to say this first off shout out to will and brad for again uh, guess appearing your first episode of Gifted Hoops for me, as y'all know, I'm a grinder, so like I'm, I'm working r really hard on, on the content, things of that nature. 
Go support their podcast again. They just had Operation Good One. It got to be talked about on their podcast. Go support that. All their links and all that will be in the description and also on, on the Twitter post, which will drop sometime this week. I appreciate y'all so, so much for talking some hoops with me. And you guys are welcome anytime. Um, I just hit a thousand subscribers on my YouTube as well. It's taken me two years to understand like the content game because I... I like to like perfect things a whole lot and I'm realizing just having consistency and being confident in my approach every time and really dissecting the game of basketball should be like my lane. And that's what, you know, I'm going for. So hopefully in this podcast, as a non-Rockets fan, as a Warriors fan, actually, hopefully I was able to facilitate that conversation well, but I really appreciate you guys. I'll say thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. I thought you really, you did a really good job. We hit all the right points uh, from the Rockets all season. Uh, in this past season and this upcoming season as well. So keep doing what you're doing. You know, shout out for 1,000 followers. It's going to continue to grow. That consistency is going to help. But yeah, I'm welcome. Um, you're welcome to come on our podcast, of course, anytime. And if Love, you it. Want to start- Love it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Well, I'll catch you guys later. Make sure to tap into the Get Loose podcast again. We are live on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts and other places where you get your podcast content. And the same can be said for my people up here the will and Bordeaux podcast i might be saying it wrong i don't know how to say your last name but i promise you the links and all that will be in the description go tap into these boys we'll catch you guys in the next episode of get the hoops where we'll be covering some teams in the eastern conference peace out people have a good one